The French Revolution, Our History, by Thomas Carlyle, Volume 2, The Constitution. Book 2, Nancy, Chapter 5, Inspector Monsigne. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Peter Dan. Book 2, Chapter 5, Inspector Monsigne. Of Inspector Monsigne we discern by direct light that he is of Herculean stature and infer with probability that he is of truculent, mustachioed aspect, for royalist officers now leave the upper lip unshaven, that he is of indomitable bull heart, and also, unfortunately, of thick bull head. On Tuesday the 24th of August, 1790, he opens session as inspecting commissioner, meets those elected corporals and soldiers that can write, he finds the accounts of Chateau Vieux to be complex, to require delay and reference. He takes to haranguing, to reprimanding, ends amid audible grumbling. Next morning he resumes session, not at the town hall as prudent municipals counselled, but once more at the barracks. Unfortunately Chateau Vieux, grumbling all night, will now hear of no delay or reference. From reprimanding on his part, it goes to bullying, answered with continual cries of Jugez tout de suite! Judge it at once. Whereupon Monsieur de Marseigne will off in a huff. But lo, Chateau Vieux, swarming all about the barrack court, has sentries at every gate. Monsieur de Marseigne, demanding egress, cannot get it, though Commandant Desnoux backs him, can get only Jugez tout de suite! Here is a notice. Bull-hearted Monsieur de Marseigne draws his sword and will force egress. Confused splutter, Monsieur de Marseigne's sword breaks. He snatches Commandant Desnoux. The sentry is wounded. Monsieur de Marseigne, whom one is loath to kill, does force egress, followed by Chateau Vieux, all in disarray, a spectacle to Nancy. Monsieur de Marseigne walks at a sharp pace, yet never runs, wheeling from time to time with menaces and movements of fence, and so reaches Desnoux's house, unhurt, which house Chateau Vieux, in an agitated manner, invests, hindered as yet from entering by a crowd of officers formed on the staircase. Monsieur de Marseigne retreats by backways to the town hall, flustered though undaunted, amid an escort of national guards. From the town hall, he, on the morrow, emits fresh orders, fresh plans of settlement with Chateau Vieux, to none of which will Chateau Vieux listen. Whereupon, finally, he, amid noise enough, emits order that Chateau Vieux shall march on the morrow morning and quarter at Sartre-Louis. Chateau Vieux flatly refuses marching. Monsieur de Marseigne takes act, due notarial protest, of such refusal if happily that may avail him. This is end of Thursday, and indeed of Monsieur de Marseigne's inspectorship, which has lasted some fifty hours. To such length in fifty hours has he unfortunately brought it. Master de Camp and Regiment Duois hang, as it were, fluttering. Chateau Vieux is clean gone, in what way we see. Overnight, an aide-de-camp of Lafayette, stationed here for such emergency, sends swift emissaries far and wide to summon National Guards. 
The slumber of the country is broken by clattering hoofs, by loud fraternal knockings. Everywhere the constitutional patriot must clutch his fighting gear and take the road for Nancy. And thus the Herculean inspector has sat all Thursday among terror-struck municipals, a centre of confused noise, all Thursday, Friday, until Saturday towards noon. Chateauvieux, in spite of the notarial protest, will not march a step. As many as 4,000 National Guards are dropping or pouring in, uncertain what is expected of them, still more uncertain what will be obtained of them. For all is uncertainty, commotion and suspicion. There goes a word that Bruyer, beginning to bestir himself in the rural cantonments eastward, is but a royalist traitor, that Chateauvieux and patriotism are sold to Austria, of which latter M. de Marseigne is probably some agent. Mestre de Camp and Roy flutter still more questionably. Chateauvieux, far from marching, waves red flags out of two carriages in a passionate manner along the streets, and next morning answers its officers, Pay us then, and we will march with you to the world's end. Under which circumstances, towards noon on Saturday, Monsieur de Marseigne thinks it were good perhaps to inspect the ramparts on horseback. He mounts accordingly with escort of three troopers. At the gate of the city he bids two of them wait for his return, and with the third, a trooper to be depended upon, he gallops off for Luneville, where lies a certain carabineer regiment not yet in a mutinous state. The two left troopers soon get uneasy, discover how it is, and give the alarm. Mr. de Camp, to the number of a hundred, saddles in frantic haste, as if sold to Austria, gallops out pell-mell in chase of its inspector. And so they spur, and the inspector spurs, careering with noise and jingle up the valley of the river Myrte, towards Luneville and the midday sun, through an astonished country, indeed almost their own astonishment. What a hunt, Actaean-like, which Actaean de Marseigne happily gains! To arms, ye carabineers of Luneville, to chastise mutinous men, insulting your general officer, insulting your own quarters. Above all things, fire soon, lest there be parleying, and ye refuse to fire. The carabineers fire soon, exploding upon the first stragglers of Mestre de Camp, who shrink at the very flash and fall back hastily on Nancy, in a state not far from distraction. Panic and fury, sold to Austria without an if, so much per regiment, the very sums can be specified, and traitorous Malsania is fled. Help, O oh heaven, help thou earth, ye unwashed patriots, ye too are sold like us. Effervescent regiment du Roy primes its firelocks, Mestre de Camp saddles wholly. Commandant Desnoux is seized, is flung in prison with a canvas shirt, Sarreau de Troyes about him. Chateauvieux bursts up the magazines, distributes three thousand fusils to a patriot people. Austria shall have a hot bargain. Alas, the unhappy hunting dogs, as we said, have hunted away their huntsmen, and do now run howling and baying on what trail they know not, nigh rabid. And so there is tumultuous march of men through the night, with halt on the heights of Flamval, whence Luneville can be seen all illuminated. Then there is parley at four in the morning, and re-parley. Finally, there is agreement. The carabineers give in. Malsania is surrendered with apologies on all sides. 
After weary, confused hours, he's even got under way, the lunar is all turning out in the idle Sunday to see such departure, home-going of mutinous Mester de Camp with its inspector captive. Mester de Camp accordingly marches, the lunar villas look. See, at the corner of the first street, our inspector bounds off again, bull-hearted as he is, amid the slash of sabres, the crackle of musketry, and escapes full gallop with only a ball lodged in his buff jerkin. The Herculean man! And yet it is an escape to no purpose. For the carabineers, to whom after the hardest Sunday's ride on record he has come circling back, stand deliberating by their nocturnal watchfires, deliberating of Austria, of traitors, and the rage of Maestro de Camp. So that, on the whole, the next sight we have is that of Monsieur de Malsaigne on the Monday afternoon, faring bull-hearted through the streets of Nancy, in open carriage, a soldier standing over him with drawn sword, amid the furies of the women, hedges of national guards, and confusion of Babel, to the prison, beside Commandant Denoux. That, finally, is the lodging of Inspector Malsaigne. Surely it is time Bouillet were drawing near. The country all round, alarmed with watchfires, illuminated towns, and marching and rout, has been sleepless these several nights. Nancy, with its uncertain national guards, with its distributed fusils, mutinous soldiers, black panic, and red-hot ire, is not a city, but a bedlam. End of Book 2, Chapter 5